0: So I was wondering why I have to start with pain as a subject. (laughs) And while I was reflecting what could be the cause, I got a clue and a hint. Just before entering here, I came through the dining room where DJ told me, after the talk on pain, we'll have the delight of the ice cream (laughs) and watermelon. I don't know whether it meant watermelon with ice cream or well. So that's the whole <laughs> secret. <clears throat> delight is our origin. This is the very first thing that shobindu reveals to us. And the age old lore of the Upanishads, Raso Saha. verily his name is Delight. So Delight is our origin. And whatever is our origin has to be also the culmination of a journey. So delight is the origin and delight is the end of the journey. The question is, whether comes the pain in the path? Because if delight is the beginning and delight is the end, why why this pain and suffering has to come on our way? First of all, we need to distinguish between pain and suffering. Pain is what comes and suffering is what we add to it. (laughs) And as human beings, we have an uncanny ability to use our mind for everything else than what it is meant for. Mind, like everything else, is an instrument in its own right. It has its own uses, purposes. But it has to be used rightly. So, uh, I was just thinking of a little bit breaking free from the format because I was challenged by HP that I don't like to use a flip chart. So, I'm going to use the flip chart for a change. (laughs) Uh, I don't know what to do with the mic, but uh, I think I'm audible enough. No? Is that fine? No. See, that's the cause of pain. The instrument is not adapted to the consciousness. The very first lesson. (laughs) Because everything in life is a lesson. The divine guru is everywhere. And I am trying to figure out how to adapt. The instrument is also fine. But there is a disconnect between the consciousness and the instrument. This in fact is the secret of pain. Is this uh, okay? Is uh, I have to do something about it. I have to use the flip chart. Okay. There is another way. This is called adaptation. Okay. No, it's fine. We are going to adapt. See, this is the second lesson. That adaptability and plasticity is the solution to pain. So, you see, we have already got the divine guru has already taught us. Yeah. So, the first reason why we have pain since we are at it is the lack of sync between the consciousness and the instrument consciousness is deep within the one true consciousness that all of us have is by its very nature full of delight but when it impacts upon the instruments at various levels they don't necessarily respond in the way they should and hence we experience the same Teacher as pain. Shovindhu uses the word, word uh, the dread teacher pain. There is only one teacher, the Jibat Guru, the master who dwells within us. But when we do not respond to the rhythms of the eternal in a harmonious way, when we cannot dance and keep steps to the dance of Vrindavan or to the last of Shiva, then we have to go through the Tandav and the uh, rhythms of Kuru Shetra because that is also rhythm. another note in the music of the eternal well let me avoid flying so let's come to the ground level pain can be experienced like everything else at different levels and based on the level we look at it understand it, try to find a solution to it, the most Outward external level at which we experience pain is the physical. That's what we all of us experience, and that's my simplest of flip charts. Physical. There comes the first level of pain. Why do we have pain at the physical level? We all know it's a wonderful mechanism. It's not a uh, it's not a bane. It's a boon. And um, people who don't have pain at the physical level, they tend tend to develop a whole lot of problems which are far more serious. We know about leprosy, we know about uh, ulcers in the skin, which diabetics are prone to develop, neuropathies, etc, etc. Horrible names which doctors use, uh, obviously very devilish names. Uh, Best is to stay away from these names. But nevertheless, at the physical level, pain is a mechanism inbuilt. It's a grace. It's a grace inbuilt within the body to help us stay away from all that could be offending and dangerous to it. So this is first thing is that it's a uh, help given to us and not meant to punish us because this is a thought which is there very deep rooted in the human psyche that pain is a punishment. Perhaps pleasure is a punishment. And it takes long to understand that all the things that gave us comfort and pleasure in life. We are not necessarily coming from grace. And some of the most difficult moments, moments of crisis, were doorways to liberation. That's why we see the Gita was given to man during a moment of acute crisis. It's a strange kind of initiation on the battlefield. And the Arya, we are celebrating the 100 years of Arya. Uh, Sri writings were given to man when the first world war began. And Savitri was given to man just when the fumes of the second world war were beginning to, um, you know, the human consciousness had absorbed all that poison. And there was Savitri to clear that atmosphere. So it's amazing that uh, our understanding of pain is something that it's terrible, it's bad. We have to run away from it and uh, as very rightly Partho asked that question it was like a counter question why do you want to avoid pain? it's a very good question though it's true it's natural to avoid pain and we should not love pain by any chance that's not the issue but we need to understand pain so that we can find the right way the right solution so at the physical level pain takes place see how the nerves respond something amazing Well, the same truth applies at all the levels at the physical level the same, you see, touch, it's touch. Little more caress, little more slap, little more pain. Just raise the intensity of the same stimulus and it causes pain. It's something very amazing. That it is the intensity of the stimulus, whether it's a pin which suddenly picks us, there is an intense stimulus which is short lived, or there is an impact of something which falls. Or suddenly there is an infection in an area and because of that there is a lot of signals going up and down in that area and that causes pain. And what does this pain do? It draws us, the entire consciousness concentrate on that area. There is swelling, there is whole mind, body, everything rushes on to that area. And if I have to use a term, I would say in the smooth flow of the force of life suddenly there is a kind of knot that whole part gets knotted up now at a physical level if we understand this is the mechanism of the pain it has given us our signal and we have to get rid of it what is the way to get rid of it very simple unknot it and this is given to man how to unknot it so many ways one can unknot it one simply simple way is to just stretch that part just let it you know first stretch it physically and then try to just through the mind's image or those who are directly aware of the body consciousness to just let that part expand become wide One can even add an image that the whole part is being careless. See the age old method of treating pain, somebody had asked about headache. You know, how was headache relieved and how is it still relieved? When mothers come and do this. Sometimes when doctors come and do this, don't worry, everything will be fine. Everything will be okay. Now doctors don't do it or perhaps they charge extra money for doing this. But this simple action, don't worry, look at this charis, it irons out the creases, the knots that form. That's why massage is still one of the ways through which one relieves pain. Of course, unless we treat the original cause, we'll come to that layer by layer, it tends to return. But a simple remedy, as we all know, for many kinds of pain, nothing should be made into a universal law, is simply to iron out, to iron out the creases. This is a physical component of pain and there are many ways to do it. Even how do medicines do it? Medicines do it, there is an intensity of stimulus, all the nerves are going up and down. All the nerves are going up and down and uh, the message is going up and down, rapid signals. So there are ways and means these medicines actually block the pathway and you know it's done in very many ways once we understand the principle it's so easy there are tablets which when you take they compete with the pain pathways and they actually block it simply because now on the traffic there are two sets of cars running so just because of that one set of cars becomes you know lesser and lesser lesser less frequent less in number another ways the you know the age-old remedy of hot mustard oil or turpentine oil which is marketed in under very fancy names with all kinds of oils. And you know, this is good, that is good. Any oil, if you warm and apply on the skin, it will help for the simple reason that, um, see, I'm not marketing any particular brand, but uh, you know, for the simple reason, because that stimulus will compete with the pathways. So you'll block it. Or a third way, just turn the mind away to something else. And you will see that the whole stimulus automatically begins to become less and less. And I can tell you, uh, I mean, I had fantastic experiences with such things. I think twice uh, you have seen me here with severe pain. Once in, in the eye and once I had uh, fissures. Very, very, both very acutely painful conditions. But it was amazing that if you end up thinking of Mother and Sri Aurobindo, talk about them, anything, you know it all vanishes. Why? Because consciousness then enters into a totally different realm. And that pain which is not getting that kind of attention, it tends to unknot itself. You know, it's like dealing with little children who become very naughty. Uh, They are crying, they are fretting and fuming. So the more attention you give, the more lollipops you give, by saying oh my god I have such a severe pain oh my god is it cancer is it this is it that then children you know uh, take advantage of this and they end up becoming uh, you know they have to draw attention they tend to generate the same kind of activity but for some time if a child is being very unreasonable uh, you just turn the attention away maybe initially he will increase but after a while this will start coming down so We reward the pain unwittingly by all kinds of things. And we reward not only our pain, we end up rewarding everybody's pain under the wonderful name of we must feel sympathy for those who are in pain. What we need to feel is compassion. Compassion is something which understands, illumines, heals. But pity and sympathy begins to vibrate. It's a weak emotion. Oh my God, somebody is in pain. I can't see it. This emotion has a self-perpetuating cycle. It tends to increase or to keep reminding. How's your pain? How's your pain? Are you okay today? You see, memory tends to trigger the pain. There are so many things involved at several micro levels. And and I'm just talking of the physical level of pain. That the more we remind. Okay, how was your pain? How is it today? The person was feeling quite well. How's your cough today? And you see, (coughs) it starts and the person is also surprised that it was quite okay all night what has happened today how has it started and sometimes doctors do it very unwittingly you know old time doctors they used to say take this medicine you'll be fine now doctors say take this tell me after three days if it's not all right maybe i need to change your antibiotics now you know the person has gone with a very heavy burden on his head until three days he is waiting with bated breath is my cough subsiding is it not subsiding The whole mind is drawn to that disease process. So there are so many elements. Uh, This is just a fraction. You know, one could elaborate just on the physical aspect of pain to any extent. But as if this was not all underlying the physical, there is the vital component. Same thing, same process the flow of prana which Partha was beautifully referring to the five-fold flow of prana that takes place in the human system it's very simple two that flow up two that flow down and one that balances in the center and to use Sri terminology we can say the mind and the higher vital and then the lower vital and the physical and then there is a prana which balance because life energy has to be there everywhere now when this flow for some reason gets interrupted is not smooth is disorderly then there is a tendency for the same process it tends to knot up how does it get interrupted let's see why do we experience emotional pain in normal life our emotions are flowing freely you know we look at things and we appreciate and things are so beautiful there is love and joy everywhere but suddenly a part of our emotions gets impacted Now everything now again the same physical process gets concentrated onto that part. And paradoxically the more we think of it the more we identify with it the more the pain tends to increase. And then there are always people who are there to remind us which is a very unfortunate part who are always there to remind us of our pain. Take a scenario where somebody has lost someone. It's a sad event and the least we can do is not to keep digging out. And people go and ask, Oh, you lost this person? How did it happen? And the person for the nth time is telling how this happened. It's it's very insensitive. That's not going to help. Beyond the point, the person has cried every act. There is an emotional catharsis, but every time will remind and again the person repeats the same story look the person was going there was an accident this happened that happened the heart attack we rushed to the hospital that doesn't help at all again the same memory comes back so what are we to do I, I'll i share with you a real life experience which um, happened when I was a young doctor in in Patiala and a close friend of uh, a person known to me Not not then a close friend but well-known friend. So his wife died of a very, you know, strangest of things, a wrong blood transfusion. One can never imagine for a small illness, but a wrong and young age. So he was in deep pain and obviously the whole family had children, so shattered. I also didn't know what to say or, you know, what can you speak in such situations? So I went by my inner feel and aspiration, inspiration, I went there, just put my hand over the shoulders and that time I had this, uh, this book had come out, From Crisis to Liberation, Bhagavad Gita in the Light of Sri by Dr. Maheshwari. So I just didn't do anything, just with all the goodwill, love, compassion in my heart that, you know, what he must be going through, just kept putting my hand here, caressing and he was crying and then when... After a few minutes, I just handed him over to this book and just said, you know, may this give you strength to go through all this. Amazing! After, now many years have passed down the line. And every time that he looks back to that moment, he says, you know, you changed my life. Actually, I didn't change his life. It is the book, not even the book, Krishna changed his life. Imagine that at that point of time, any amount of asking, telling, comforting words would have been inanities. But there is a way by which this emotional emotional knot of pain can be just undone. All these emotional energy can be released. And this can be a wonderful way to heal emotional pain. The mother gives a very simple, you know, in one of the places she says, Divine love is the best emotional protection. If you love the divine, then regardless of what the source of emotional pain is, it just tends to vanish. It will come, touch and vanish. It will never be allowed to form a knot. And the reason is very simple. It is like the story of Hercules cleaning the Aegean stables. It's like a massive ganges flowing constantly through our being, constantly through our being. And as it flows, it keeps clearing all the mud, the muck, the dirt that is accumulated. So if you form this practice of letting things flow, you see this flow of prana gets obstructed, pranic energy, because there is an emotional blockage or whatever, and that tends to accumulate. And this is various ramifications. For instance, people who withhold their emotions within themselves, become very cold emotionally and very critical of others. It is known they tend to suffer from heart attacks a lot more often. This is not the only cause, but this one of the causes. Whereas people who just let it flow, it's just simple that you are letting the river flow. That's how prana flows. So letting the river of life flow through us and not holding on to things. And there are some people who not only hold on to things, but the whole thing they allow to grow. There is a vicarious love that we develop for our pain. It almost becomes our identity. For instance, when people go through emotional pain, they end up listening to all these sad Mukesh songs. Uh, I mean, all these sad songs uh, and, you know, they almost enjoy it and they feel, you know, uh, it just compounds it. And we don't realize that unwittingly, we are adding to that burden, which is already there. So this is the second level at the level of the vital, not only emotion, but even desires. At one place, the mother says, it is desires that irritate the organs so see again how the pranic flow is interrupted normally this flow is meant to provide to all the five chakras or levels of our being a smooth flow of energy we need something for the mind we need something for the um, higher vital uh, something for the central vital something for the lower vital and its activities and something for the physical now supposing a person lives only for the lower vital there is nothing else except in his life Uh, you know, the animal kind of enjoyment, the animal kind of pleasure. A life of pure vital excitement. For whom pleasure of the palate is the only thing that counts. So what will happen? Because that's where the whole focus is. The entire pranic currents will begin to flow in that direction. And this is very simple to demonstrate. See, that's why lectures in the afternoon after lunch and after dinner are the worst times why because the entire pranic energy is focused around the stomach not only of the listeners also the speaker got to understand that (laughs) because you know perforce because the same prana it has to burn it has to burn that extra stuff so till it is digested that's why you know first half an hour everybody is slumpy sloppy And then suddenly there's a little bit brightening up if one is not falling into a sleep, which is a hard task you give, you know, two hours of making sure that nobody sleeps or if sleeps as a uh, sleep without snoring, because that's very important, because otherwise it'll be a pain to others. But (laughs) getting back to it, how desires disturb the smooth flow. Desires in a normal life, I'm not talking of yoga, purely normal life, have their place, But they should be in moderation. Anything which is done in excess. Too much of here. Headaches. Simply because I am right now not talking of yogic things which we will come to later. But just the normal part. The mind is full of stress, strain, anxious thoughts. And we are increasing. Similarly in migraine we will see one sided headache. Headache. As they say, there are two sides of the brain, the left and the right. The left has nothing right in it and the right has nothing left in it. That's a civilizational disease, migraine. Because our whole development of the brain is so one-sided, so lopsided, that invariably there is one to the exclusion of the other. And there is a lot of blood flow. Blood is the conduit for the prana. It's just the physical vehicle, the blood in the nervous system. So the prana flows through this and if a particular organ is overused in Ayurveda it is explained in a very simple way that diseases are due to overuse or underuse or misuse of the organs as simple as that and it applies to everything every organ, the brain has a function but if we misuse it overuse it Underuse it, it leads to problems. One of the simple ways that we suggest people to keep away from dementia is to keep using the brain in a certain way. One simple remedy is Sudoku. It keeps the brain active and you know, or balancing exercise. Why? Because you're using the brain. Otherwise, after a while, the disease that all of us develop past 30s that we all know, there's nothing more to be known. And the decline process starts in the nervous system. And the decline becomes faster when we believe we have now only to teach. We know everything. I have to only teach. That's my objection to the flip charts because I don't like to be in the role of a teacher because I am not. We are children together walking the path. The moment this thought comes that look I know there is automatically a diminution of the current flowing through the Head. Where does it get diverted onto other areas? Same thing with the emotions. So any level, this smooth flow of the prana, or somebody who is very very sentimental all the time, the prana is dragged and drawn into the chakra. Obviously, the person begins to suffer various kinds of cardiac arrhythmias. And I am not saying this anything theoretically. I have read books, Louis Hay, and all this I have read and seen in my own. I am telling you something very experiential. So there is a other aspect that desires particularly or an excess use of emotion, misuse of emotions, wrong use of emotions, underuse of emotions, they will all lead to blockages and lead to pain. At that level and that pain is a tendency to get on to the physical level. Then comes the third layer. What directs the flow of life? It's a great question. One of the Upanishad raises this question. What directs the current of life? And then we see how our thoughts hidden behind things, how they direct not only the flow of life, events, circumstances, they weave. You know, people often blame fate. But how do the gods weave over fate? I am using right now gods in a very general way. Where does the material come from? So they say material comes from our own actions. What actions? Very simple. Action is not just physical action. Our thought is an action. Our feelings are an action. Our impulsions are an action. Our willings are an action. Our secret motives are actions. Our attitudes are not only states of consciousness, but also they flow into our actions. Then we begin to see that all this comes because of a certain attitude towards life, certain thought patterns, which for some reason, either we have inherited or learned. And they are the real culprit. It's not just the flow of prana, but pranic energy itself is because my mindset, my mind pattern, you know, we carry our atmosphere. It's amazing, you know, Um, that's what we were, I think, sometime morning or some somewhere else we were talking about it that how uh, you know it's very interesting that when we learn to trust the divine he will give us whatever we need and always something more than that when we want to grab and snatch it we will have it and yet it will slip away from us that was from the issue pressure. why because we are all the time shut in a mental pressure And this is a prison of our own thoughts, concepts, beliefs, ideas, opinions, views, God knows what all. And the mother says each one has a shibboleth. And sometimes it takes long time to get a person freed from these shibboleths. For instance, the idea of hell and heaven. Mother says that once it took me a long time, nearly one year, a person who had passed away, had shut himself in a zone of consciousness And whenever she would approach this person, obviously she must be for various reasons going to help him. She had not revealed who that person was. He would say, no, 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 I am a sinner. I have to suffer. So she would say, no, you don't have to suffer. No, 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 I have to be in hell. You know, people suffer from guilt and create the fires of hell for themselves. In the divine plan, there is nothing like guilt, shame, these are all human not even human conceptions, but fiendish conceptions to shut the human consciousness into fixed, narrow, rigid formulas of life and to prevent the human spirit from advancing. So, hundreds of thoughts patterns which imprison us and that's where this practice that last, I think, two days we have been experiencing one of the aspects of that practice. How to get free of these mental structures which block us which don't let us advance. All these conceptions which we have carried from book. I must suffer. If I am suffering, God must be giving me suffering. So not only are we suffering, now we are poor fellow holding him culprit. As if he has no better job than to give pain to us. I am sure God has a better do- job to do. And he is not a you know sadist who loves to give pain on people. I mean it would be really erecting a sadist God. So all these are mental concepts, and in many ways, as I said, the mind can amplify the pain. It is actually physically known that in every pain, I think Morning Patha was, you know, revealing this so nicely. That there is a physical component, there is a psychological component, and it's always possible to detach and disengage the psychological component. And when we do it, the physical component also. Because then there is no fear, no shrinking, it tends to have natural trust like children when they have a wound, they have a natural trust. The psychological component is not yet corrupted and things improve. I had a very strange uh, example once of a whole big wheel, you know, which had nails on on one side fully and um, I saw that wheel near the playground. And I thought, oh, some children may fall and uh, I should, you know, remove it, keep it to the side. So I was trying to lift it. It was very heavy. But still, um, I got into, you know, maybe Karna's mode and Abhimanyu mode that I can do it. Not assessing properly that though they were different beings. And halfway or little up, the wheel just slipped from my hand. That whole heavy wheel fell on my feet. So it was a very interesting event because it gave me an opportunity to observe what happens. So, obviously, a couple of people were around, dressed, I said, Wait, let me see what happens. So, then gently after removing the wheel, I still remember observing swelling is taking place within seconds, like this, this is a bump. Then I can see that, oh, the, the nerve fibers are trying to send pain the best part is that because that attitude at that point was taken of course by mother's grace and maybe because at heart i was trying to do a good karma so so just everything took place except strangely the pain as if vanished and the worst was at night when i you know go back home and i am recounting it that look it's so fantastic the pain just vanished and first time I felt the touch of pain pierce through my feet. I'm telling a real life experience. And then I realized that look, I mean, uh, how, uh, how the mind can interact with the body. And we can learn it's a practice of yoga that we can completely detach and disengage it. Somebody was telling, I think, Yamand about the hot yoga that is being practiced in 40 degrees centigrade. Uh, I don't know why it is being branded. It should be in Pondicherry. All of us are doing it throughout the year. At 12 o'clock noon, when I cycle from nursing home to home, I would remind myself that this is a hot, super hot yoga I am doing at 42, 43. And countless people are doing it in Delhi and many other places. What is it? It's just a disengagement. If we keep thinking oh this is very painful this is going to be painful oh, I'll be sick I have eaten this food I'm going to fall sick I'm going to fall sick what better ground than my own thoughts that sickness will say wonderful I was waiting for this but we can see it okay at this point there is heat it's okay why keep thinking about it why keep talking about it before people land on an airport even before they have stepped out you see the reactions Aj Delhi Katman 39 degree. You know, Delhi's temperature is 39 degrees. Now people are in the plane. They have not yet stepped out. It's everything fine. Oh my god, Delhi is (laughs) 39. I mean, and perhaps this person is never really going to experience. He will come, walk into the airport, sit in his AC car, go back to his AC room. But now you know he has started. Delhi is 39 degrees centigrade. Oh my god, oh my god. I mean it's fine it's disengage oneself in fact Shabindu reminds every time not only with pain with all kinds of things A simple practice every time we experience he says learn to separate yourself and say this struggling creature this is not me I am the delight keep reminding instead of a wrong memory I am this struggling creature weak, helpless make a gospel out of our Fallen state. I am fallen, I am fallen. It doesn't help to remind ourselves that. It's a fact. What we have to remind ourselves, I can get up and get up a million times and walk again. That is the spirit. So we see there is a whole set of attitudes. And again, this is a whole world to explore, but I'm leaving it there. Now behind all this, there is another component. Psychic. Amazing. Very strange, here we have a reversal of values. Things that the body and vital and the mind often enjoy, the psychic feels a subtle touch of sadness in them. Every time that the mind and the vital are fooling around, there is a little sadness. Like in the evening, sometimes we feel when the light has gone away and the trees are asking for the return of light something like that it's an emotion akin to that to use the word emotion is simply to it's not an emotion but a state there is a pain which the psychic knows the pain of separation from the divine and for that separation it is ready to take any amount of earthly pain now you see how psychic connects with all this psychic turns every pain as a feeder to its own growth. There is a lovely story of a Muslim, a Mughal Empress, Mumtaz Mahal, Humayun's wife, wonderful lady, very mystic oriented and she had a lovely mirror from China. Those were days when it was not easy to get, you know, from one place to another. And one day while one of her maids was cleaning it, it fell down and broke. And she goes to this empress, head low, says, The wonderful glass that you had from China has broken. Waiting what's going to come next. And the empress says, with all dignity and grace and the nobility that only the great are capable of. Wonderful. Samane khud bini shikast." that which used to feed my ego every day has been broken away i am so happy that the divine has taken away this one thing which was all the time reminding me that i am the body that my hairs are growing look how many artificial pains we have you know uh, created in this generation in in with the materialistic view of life oh my hairs are falling oh my teeth are falling oh i am having green kills oh they are becoming white a beautiful way to age white hairs can look so nice we can see the sprinkling of white on parthos uh, you know lovely hairs and they look so nice what's wrong with white hairs it's just a conditioning of the mind because we associate white with bad just as we associate you know at one time dark skin is not good no we can enjoy everything So the psychic looks at this whole creation in a different way and it uses pain as a doorway towards a higher becoming. So when the psychic comes into the play, it will use emotional pain to turn it into a feeder for turning towards the divine. It will use physical pain for remembrance of the divine and invoking the divine in that part. Not simply to get rid of it, but because it's a wonderful thing to do so. Jugalda, we all have heard about him, who was a registrar at uh, Knowledge, Sri International Centre of Education for a long time. You know, one day someone observed him walking and limping. So he asked, Jugalda, kio, kio what has happened? no, 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 There is a corn which is, you know, flared up and aching. Oh, why don't you get it uh, healed and cured? He said, no. Nah. I keep calling mother every time I experience this. You want me to get it removed? Of course, it's not that one has to take that attitude. It's not what mother is saying. But look at the truth behind it. The soul says, Wow, I wanted a rosary in my hand. God gave me a rosary in my feet. That little callous and corn is a rosary. Every step you take, Ma, 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 and one experiences the delight. I tell you, the psychic has ways of healing pain, which are absolutely beyond human comprehension. Again, I can share you a story. Uh, my, own, my, It's not my story, it's her story, her love, her grace. Nothing of mine in it. So when I was traveling here, it's connects with, you know, South Carolina. Two years back when I came with Kavita and you know how much pain I landed with. I was not sure whether they will allow me to go through the visa thing or not. You know, even with the visa, because they can be very touchy. And I was experiencing actually a lot of pain. So when I sat in the flight after keeping awake whole night and, you know, dragging myself and uh, I'm, as I sat in the aircraft, it's the pain was like, you know, dagger stabbing inside my eyes every moment, everybody told me, don't go. This is a, you know, you shouldn't do, you should cancel the program. And for me, it was like, you know, mother's work is priority, all other things. Uh, have no meaning. If I has to go, it has to go. But, you know, if it is a commitment for mother's work, unless there is no way, if one, one is bedridden, one must go. So with that attitude, so as I sat in the flight, my thoughts then went to the mother. Because while you are traveling, you are having that background consciousness, but really not able to. And I said, ah, mother, I want nothing. Just put your eyes on my hand. And for the next Four, six hours, what a delight I was transported into. It was such a joy, such a joy that I almost fell in love with the pain. Such a joy. All that acute agony as if was taken away. And I said, my God, you had to come to me this way. I mean, this is also a door you can use to come. See, when the psychic steps out, how it perceives the same event. There was another option. I could have just cursed, complained, I'm going for your work. Why are you making me suffer? What is this divine grace? But by her grace, one takes a different attitude and suddenly as if she says, I'm there, I'll carry you through the pain. What is there? This pain will become a doorway for the remembrance. Now the beauty of that whole experience as the experience of all pains of life is, pain is gone. It's gone long back. But the touch of grace I remember. The cells have felt it. The vital has felt it. The soul has felt it. And that is something unforgettable. Now you see how pain can leave the touch of delight. Every time now I remember that experience. I don't feel oh my God why it was so painful. I don't want to remember it. You know often people say oh it was so painful. For me ah mother gave me one more beautiful touch of her grace in the concrete physical. So you see how the whole outlook can change and for every kind of pain. I was sharing this story and maybe once again we can talk about it. Emotional pain and how the psyche can look at it. So Meera goes and asks, Meera is to get married. So we were just hinting at this story in the morning and worth talking about it again. Often people ask should we get married or not married, you know, yoga and marriage and all this stuff so Meera was uh, in two minds that I love Krishna and if there is a man in my life what shall I do so she decides to take an opinion poll she goes to one aunt and asks this aunt auntie tell me you are married is it good is it okay You, I know you also pray to God and uh, tell me how about marriage vis a vis God etc auntie says you know what uh, my life has been wonderful my husband is a you know morning bed tea he makes lunch is ready before I ask and for dinner he makes sure that the choices things that I like are made for me he doesn't let me do anything and if I am tired he also makes sure that he presses my feet so you know I just simply love God because you know he has given me such a person so I can turn myself fully to God and devote myself he doesn't come in my way at all Mira hears but says, I can't believe it. Such a man doesn't exist. Surely I am being fooled. She goes to another aunt. She says, aunt, how about you? She says, you know, my life is fantastic. My husband doesn't care about me at all. I look after him whole day, but this man doesn't even say as much as a thank you or an acknowledgement. But you know, thanks to all this, I can turn towards God wholeheartedly. See how much attitude is so important. For the psychic, every pain can be a feeder for a new birth. Earth's pains were the ransom of a present delight. But not for pain, for joy the earth was made. But what is the price we have to pay? Like the toll tax, easy pass, you can't cross towards delight without paying the tax of night. So pain is the tax of night the tax of ignorance and unless as long as ignorance is there pain will be there and that's where we enter into the higher domain spiritual from the spiritual perspective pain is the result of ignorance it is ignorance that leads to a shrinking inside the cells shrinking inside the emotions making us want for things desire for things which end up giving us nothing but pain so pain comes to teach us so if there is no ignorance there will be no such ignorant movement no such desire emotions turbulent things troubling us even at the physical level it is ignorance if the physical was fully conscious you know before we eat something we will know what we should eat and not eat you know there is so much talk about physical yoga in the physical just making the physical consciousness awake will tell us even about movements, where we should step, where we shouldn't step. It can go to amazing, fantastic extent. Suddenly before eating something, we'll be stopped simply because there is something else which is informing us. And if we listen to it, it works. When we don't listen to it, then we see that, you know, it it doesn't work. So from the spiritual perspective, it is ignorance. And therefore, what is the cure of pain? Physical level, we can give drugs, we can do all these techniques. At the vital level, we can lead a life of moderation so that the prana can be regulated or we can practice, uh, you know, breathing exercises to regulate the prana. So many methods. At the level of the mind, we can set right the attitudes, etc. Correct our thought patterns. At the level of the psychic, we can take a wonderful attitude and thereby go through the pain uh, as a um, passage to evolution. But at the spiritual level, the cure of pain is the cure of ignorance. Ignorance at any level will always predispose us to pain. And that's why Sri gives this radical solution. He is not ready to give us to us ready-made, you know, uh, over-the-counter prescriptions for nirvana. It's absurd. He is not here to tell us, okay, fine, I'll give you a technique. You practice this and you'll be freed from pain. Yes, for the moment, yes. But this is not a radical solution. The radical solution is only by the supramental transformation which chases ignorance not only away from the mind and the heart but from the very nerves and the physical cells. The yoga in which the mother was engaged to eventually free the very cells of the ignorance and suffuse them with the supramental light because that is the permanent remedy. And if... To close this part. Before we take questions. If we can learn. To invoke this higher consciousness. This greater consciousness. Whether by faith. By imagery. doesn't matter what. By calling the divine name. Simplest way. A lot of people it works. Reading Savitri. Whatever way. Or simply you know. Giving it to her. By bringing her touch. We can find the. Lasting and abiding solution. To close this with a very interesting uh, letter of Janina Struka. Some of us may have heard her name. She was a Polish lady and how she um, reached the ashram is a story by itself. And she lived in the ashram for just about nine years. But what a wonderful way she practiced yoga. She would write in a letter to a friend Slowly, I am getting to learn the way of life here at one level it is so complex at another level it is so simple unbelievably simple so then she says what do I do every time I get a headache I simply offer it to mother and say it is your headache take it imagine every time I have a pain here and there I say it is your pain take it People do it and they get relieved, not just momentarily. The lasting remedy for if yoga means union and union with the divine is the goal, everything can become a means to union. Pain, offer it to the divine, becomes a road to union with the divine. Bhoga leads to roga and roga can lead to yoga because we are not ready to do the yoga in the beginning, we are more interested in bhoga. So roga comes to remind us of the possibility of yoga. So pain is the hammer of the gods to break a dead resistance in the human heart. An inertia as of the clod in the stone. If man's heart were not forced to want and weep, his consciousness would rest inert, at ease and never learn to go beyond the human start and never learn to reach towards the sun. Pain is a cry for change, a call from the deeps to ascend to the sun, an effort of ignorance for light, freedom, bliss, immortality. Chat. <laughs> so now we can have the questions. Yes, please. What would you have to would the now, now we. We'll oh, well, we'll take the questions and. <laughs> well, the mental component is actually the suffering part. Pain is usually the nervous, uh, physical mechanisms. And suffering is what the mind and the vital add to it. But then as I said, there is also something called a psychic suffering. But it's important to understand when we are talking about the spiritual causes of pain, it is not because of bad karmas. It's simply ignorance. Wherever there is ignorance, there is pain. Yeah, please. Being spiritual, a spiritual life in the light of Mother and Shri philosophy. Let being drop off. Let in the light of drop off. Let even spiritual drop off. Let only Mother and Shri remain. If you ask me in one word let everything move towards a constant, constant remembrance of the mother and Shurabinduva. Every time we are reminded of ourselves, we should tell ourselves that look, what imperfection, what ignorance, what stupidity to still save me? A moment comes in life when even to express gratitude appears. How small, how frivolous, when there is nothing else but Thou. Nothing else but Thou. Her play. I am overwhelmed by the question. Because I just feel nothing else exists except Mother. And if we can more and more live in that state, we can experience this state, we can realize this state is some part of our being. But if we can live that state more and more at every level that's being spiritual or leading a spiritual life in the light or in Mother and Shirobindo. To live for the Mother to live by the Mother to live in the Mother to keep Mother in our heart and to live in the Mother's heart that for me at least is leading a life in the light of Mother and though All the rest is <laughs> drama, pretense, preparation, whatever else. But this is it. But we'll talk about it, elaborate about it, because tomorrow, you know, we have a lot of sessions. Yes. Uh, yeah. far beyond that one is in touch with the divine but mind you like as I said now this is the answer that comes to me at this point of time maybe if after 10 minutes if someone else asked me the question I, I may say but this because perhaps is the very highest answer that one could give and it came spontaneously so uh, no answer should be turned into a you know <laughs> a rigid gospel um, but tomorrow and the whole day we are talking about this process, so we'll talk about it. But this is the goal, there is nothing else to breathe Mother and Shivendra till the very last moment of one's life, to feel them with, with and in every heartbeat if one can. That's it. Yes? Obviously, you talked about pain and suffering. There is also an anticipation of pain. Oh, yes. It's yes absolutely so the mind's uh, in fact the example that I gave that was one of the things of course that is when there is an actual fall and the mind rushes oh it's going to be painful if one can disengage the mind at that moment just observes. it takes care because lot of component to the pain is that but what you are referring to is another level also that we anticipate we are almost attracting by fear, by anticipation, oh, this is going to be very painful. This is going to be very, like you know, when children go for an injection and so sad. And uh, you know, I must speak out very vocally. And <laughs> you know, it's a sad thing when people bring a little child to my to the dispensary and say, Doctor, i injection an injection. And you know, I am just nonplussed. The last thing I want is that a doctor should be associated like a terrorist, you know, in the child's consciousness. I am a terrorist who will give an injection and then you know this is perversity of human mind they don't stop at that they'll say injection and you know I get very annoyed honestly so I said no no I have no injections so you know but by then the children are already biased that you know doctor, doctor uncle, and you know they are crying so badly poor fellows it takes 10 minutes just to tell them that look you know Uh, Okay, I am not a doctor. Come, I will play with you. No injections with me. Look, you know, this anticipation that is going to give pain with everything, with surgeries at the physical level and uh, emotional level also. People, when they go through breakups, they a lot of anticipation of the pain of the, you know, there is a pain involved, of course, but a lot of it is also because the mind is added to it. So if one learns to flow like a river, all this flow automatically tends to adjust itself. Flowing like a river means to know the goal and to know the source. What counts eventually, what remains at the end of everything, when the ages have vanished before our eyes, is the eternal. That is our source. And where are we going? Toward the eternal. All the rest is transient, temporary scaffoldings, useful for one moment but to be discarded or let go as we walk past not easy but that's the way and mother said this let go, let go, let go to hold on only to that which is true in one of the letters speaking of particularly of you know emotional blows that come to people the writes blows do not come to you in fact, it starts this way. It is the rule of life that everything fails the divine, fails the man, fails man, except the divine, if he turns entirely to him. So true. It takes God knows how many blows to understand this simple thing. Everything fails a man except the divine, if three times underline, if he turns to the divine, and then he says. Blows do not come to you because there is something bad in you. Blows come to all human beings because they are attached with things that are in their nature transient and cannot satisfy him even when he possesses them. That is the paradox of life. Even when one has it, it doesn't satisfy. So it's like a blow; It slips past. When most held close, the furthest it goes. If I have to use a mystic (laughs) expression. When we feel, I have finally got it. I have actually lost it. So, this is the mystic truth we are here to learn. Yes. uh, You talked about uh What happens? Right. So, poor God, he has to suffer so much of our human conceptions. (laughs) Almost a cruel being who loves to inflict pain. But you see, karma is a mechanism of nature. First of all, we have to understand. Uh, draw a distinction between God and nature it's a practical distinction in an in an absolute sense it doesn't exist You know, I mean it exists and doesn't exist let's put it like that they, they are one and two then they play in many worlds so that's a different aspect but for practical purposes just as for practical purposes we have to learn to make a distinction between Purusha and property, between soul and nature but they are two poises of unreality but let's say practically first of all that this is a mechanism of nature now nature as we know, now I am using straight from the Gita as an authoritative scripture. What Sri said goes still further. But the Gita says there are three kinds of karma and they, you know according to the three kinds of nature. And they bring corresponding results. So tamasic karma is a karma which is done thoughtlessly, mindlessly. Now look, one may go every day to the temple mindlessly, thoughtlessly. So look at you know the nature of karma. It's tamasic. One may give dham thoughtlessly, mindlessly, just throw out of the pocket. What is the result of this karma when one does an action without buddhi, without vivek, without discernment, without you know the right shastra as they say, but shastra not as a book, but without the consideration of time and space then it clouds the consciousness and makes it more and more deluded. Very simple. Tamas brings tamas in its return. So tamasic karma will make the consciousness more dark and clouded. So what is the result of that? Strangely, when the consciousness is very dark and clouded, it becomes insensible to pain and needs violent sensations to wake it up. So what happens with people who are tamasic and clouded? A moment comes in everybody's life. Divine comes to wake up. So he has to come now, not as Krishna's flute, that is for the gopis, but he comes as Chakradar or Kalis or Rudra, same divine. He is no more Ashutosh, the beneficent, but Rudra, the fears, the terrible and shakes up like mothers who keep waking the child after while. get up, get up, shake up and they feel it as a violent sensation, then they wake up. In outer life, this waking up of Rudra and Kali takes very weird forms. Violent sensations in life. Sensational deaths. Events. Because their life doesn't respond to anything. And surprisingly, even after that people don't wake up. They go back to sleep again. It's the biggest tragedy of life and I have never understood that people going through such abject tragedies fall back into the same if I may add stupid routine of life. The same seekings, the same things. That moment is lost, it was a grace, but you know they go back to the same desires, same attachments which have given so much pain. That's because the grip of ignorance is strong. Next Karma done under Rajas. What is Rajas? What does the Raj do? Karma is done with an eye on fruits. <coughs> if I do this, I'll get that. You know, even people go to divine again, why? If I do it, what am I going to get? So when super mind descended, people ask mother. Mother, people are asking, now that the super mind is descended, how is it going to help them? So mother says, why should it help them? <laughs> no, no, mother, they are just asking. They have come and they are asking, See, what do you mean help? Why should the super mind help? Just because they have taken the trouble of taking a train to come to Pondicherry. Mahakali comes in the forefront no no mother still they are asking so mother says tell them it may give them a few blows (laughs) now the disciple is confused how can he go and say such things (laughs) and then mother explains then the Maheshwari comes and says why Why human consciousness doesn't wake up so super mind has to come and truth consciousness has to lead man through so much suffering and pain so when you see that way (coughs) rajas brings this twin result Sukham and Dukham. It is intertwined in the nature of Rajas. So people will get some joy, happiness, not joy, happiness and they don't read in the footnotes. Every time you get a happiness, there is something written in the footnote. This happiness is subject to market risks. And further below is still smaller footnote. You have purchased this happiness with great rajasic effort. Two sorrows are going to follow you in its wake. (coughs) You accept the happiness and you are so happy. What grace of God. I got this. God is going to show the other side. When he says now time has come for you to wake up he takes away that. So because rajas brings it. Not again as a punishment but again because that is the nature of rajas. And it brings these consequences because they are inbuilt in nature to evolve. What about Sattva? Sattvic action is not done with an eye on fruit. They are done according to Shastra. That means the right thing to be done in the right way at the right moment. So it brings as its fruit automatically in its wake, Sukham and Prakasham. These are Gita's words. A state of inner felicity. And light. See Krishna is not saying. You will be born in a silver spoon in your mouth. You may be born in a small remote village in Orissa, But you will experience Sukham and Prakashan. You may be illiterate. Never gone to a you know. Convent school. Never learnt how to tie a tie. Or speak fluent English. But you have the illumination to understand. The truth of things intuitively. Because that is the result of satwa and what if a work is done with a spiritual consciousness offering to the divine Gita says I after death such a person is never abandoned now here something special comes very often people say why didn't God protect why didn't what did you do for the divine the divine's intervention in nature doesn't come just like a blanket because it will upset the way nature is functioning it comes but there are souls who have lived for the divine done for the divine, worked for the divine, because nothing else matters, then there is a special, grace and protection, so what happens then, divine says, Name chapranashyati. I never abandon, what about after death, after death, he is born in a family, of devotees, where quickly he recovers, the past yoga, and very soon, yeah I can see, a <laughs> lot of people feeling happy, yes it's a grace, to be born in a family where people have love for the divine. And very soon I recover the yoga and he comes to me. Now look at it, in all these consequences there is nothing physical, it's not that accidents are bad karma, heart attack is bad karma and lottery which comes your way is a good karma, getting promotion is a good karma, for all you know it may be the other way around. Somebody used to say when, you know, if everything is going well with you, maybe the divine has not yet looked at you. <laughs> Bit hard, but yes, Sri Bindo speaks of that in essence on the Gita. And the mother speaks of it. That those who are closest to him, how he deals with them? Severely. Severely. When somebody asks the mother, Mother, I want to be like Champaklal. <laughs> and mother... Tells this to Champaklal She says, You know, X had come and he told me I want to be like Champaklal And I told him, You know how I have prepared him? How severe I have been with him. How many tests he had to undergo? So the people back off. When she says all that, oh my god, I have to do that, all that. I thought I can immediately she will accept me and I'll have a luminous body. And like Champaklal, I'll be full of delight. <laughs> Hard is the path, sharp as the razor's edge. None can reach heaven who has not passed through hell. For winding through hell turns the heaven, heavenward path. A prayer upon his lips and the great name. This is what saves you. So, in this whole theory of karma, it is a pure inner mechanism mind you for evolution not for reward and punishment if God were to punish us I can tell you within one century all human beings would soon become animals given the kind of consciousness that most of us deal. They, you know population would just you can count on fingertips but precisely because he is a heart of love even what seems to us punishment is nothing but love at one place the says if God ever created hell he would create even that out of love because he only knows how to love. So in the light of Mother and shobindo karma is an evolutionary mechanism. It helps us to go towards the divine and if we can turn towards the divine, give our full assent to this turning we begin to escape the law of karma. And if we can give wholehearted assent to grace, then it completely annuls karma, because the function of karma is over. One is a free individual, walks free. At that point of time, the great truth of the Gita comes into play. What does the Gita say at the end? The most liberating knowledge, and the Gita says is the highest secret, Guhyatam Rahasya, Guhyat, greatest, the deepest secret Sri Krishna says I am revealing to you and the mother speaks of it later in the agenda that Gita gave this secret this is the great secret what is that great secret? Sri Krishna gives the greatest secret is not karma not the burden we carry always on our heads but man mana bhav mad namaskaro sarva dharman parityajya mame kam sharnam raja Abandon all other dharmas All conducts, ways of thought shastras, Sattva, Rajas Abandon all these things But for what? Not to fall below But surrender unto me Take refuge in me What will happen if we do that? I shall deliver thee from all sin and fear do not grieve this promise stands for every soul in whatever way he turns to the eternal it's not necessary that he has to pray only to Lord Krishna when Krishna uttered these words he had become one with all it was in that state whatever way man turns to the eternal this promise stands if you can learn to take refuge very simple, very difficult our ego doesn't allow it we don't believe that the divine can do it. We want to do some effort to justify it. The divine is alright. Do it if you want to deserve it. Do it to deserve it. Can one ever deserve grace? Okay. Any other question? Yes, please. Mother and Shiva Vindho has written a lot about collectivity. Yes. Nation's destiny and karma and so on. Is there also pain which collectively suffers? Or is it always individual? Well, this question was asked to Mother and Shiva Vindho. And generally, Mother, the bulk of it was there is nothing like that. There is like a national, yes, evolution, but that's about the nation's soul. But this thing about collective karma is a very tricky subject actually. And if we take the consensus, like in evening talks, this question was asked to Sri And uh, the mother was asked this question. Even some people like taking upon karma of others and destiny of others. She said, no, this is not exactly true. So by and large, this mechanism of karma is individual. But having said that, there are collective lines of evolution. Or lines of evolution of a community which had to go through collectively certain ups and downs, certain you know easy moments, certain difficult moments, certain moments when it is destroyed and cast aside. For instance, certain sects, certain you know uh, groups which uh, at some point of time uh, were very prominent but they vanish with time. But that's not so much the karma part but the cycles of time in which everything is a date and a birth. And they have to undergo a rebirth if they have to survive otherwise they pass away. But more than karma it is simply the cycles of time which determine their course and these cycles are driven by the spirit of time and behind the spirit of time is the eternal manifest as the avatar because avatar gives a new yuga dharma for each yuga so whatever falls in line with that yuga dharma survives whatever does not fall in line with that yuga dharma is broken and cast aside and that's where mother and shubindo you know, so much relevance that Sri and the mother have given a new yug dharma to this race. That's what is meant by abhyutthana madharma tadat maan So for every age, new things have flown in. New data, new experiences humanity has undergone. We are not living with the same experience that Arjuna and, you know, our ancestors underwent. A lot of new experiences we have gone through. From Chengiz Khan to, you know, Baba and Akbar and uh, to the English conquest and all this we have undergone through the Greek conquest. Now you know, with all this mixture that has taken place, the yuga Dharma also changes, which has to take into account the entire passage of time that has taken place. You see, when Krishna established the Yu Dharma for through the through his action, he created the nation's soul in the Indian context. Uh, that's why Raj Surya of Yudhishthir and you know. Uh, many kings down the line Parikshit, Janmejai, Sahasrabahu, and uh, Ajat Shatru and vikramaditya to that they preserved it but now the time has come for a new dharma because the age of globalization, in Krishna's time he didn't have to take into account Facebook for instance we have Facebook now what do we do with the Facebook uh, this is just one example, global economies he didn't have to reckon with the global economy so again and that past form becomes dated. So it has to break. So now Sri Aurobindo has come and given a new yoga Dharma. And that is why, uh, incidentally, among the lot of books that I have got, uh, Bharati has, of course, given for... And I myself picked up, uh, just on inspiration, uh, a whole bunch of All India magazine, Read Sri Aurobindo. Why one should read Sri Aurobindo? Because, one... And of course it prepares the mind, prepares our consciousness, it awakens the soul most importantly because it's Sabda Brahma, it's the word body of Sri like Narada was saying so beautifully that he said Savitri is my body. So one is that? And so it is a tremendous help towards spiritual progress. And the beauty of Sri is he never ties us into mental formula. So he would not allow us to, uh, you know, in fact he removes all the cobwebs and the mental formulas and gives us something new and beautiful like a new light so that's the beauty of that reading that he doesn't give concepts and percepts with which we can play and which we can form how much ever we try to form it that's why when mother was asked uh, she said you know it is impossible to form a religion out of shirabindu if anyone has read shirabindu properly if one is not read that different mother said so, mother didn't say so that's a stupidity but anyone who has read shirabindu it's impossible for that person to be ever tied in a cultish or a, you know, uh, religious way to anything or fundamentalist way to uh, something which is small and narrow, even when he's completely faithful to Mother and Sri He would still live in a large inner wideness. But very importantly, we understand the Yuga Dharma of the age. Like today we were reading in the afternoon, that uh, wonderful thing about the Yuga Dharma. What are the things that Divine has broken? and things which divine has broken to try to revive it is to be anachronistic and shodinu revealed this long back when he said the corpse of sati shiva is carrying now you know you can't and then he says, speaks about daksh prajapati what happens when you revive an old form prajapati is the form and sati the spirit behind the, those forms now prajapati created a form of social life and Sati, the Adi Shakti, she has established herself within it, tied herself, bound herself to it. Now, what happens? These forms have become dated. Dated. So, Shiva comes and beheads. I mean, Shiva means one of his, you know, Veerbhadra comes and beheads uh, Daksh. So there is a commotion and people say oh what a pity what happened you know all that human thing oh you know our children don't follow any religion they have broken away from ritual they are very bad so similarly there was similar commotion oh poor fellow he was so nice after all uh, daksha was a nice cute fellow he should be revived so now you know shiva comes back to also oh, okay fine i will call the divine physicians they will uh, put a head but that head is gone bring some head so In that melee, they bring a goat's head. And the divine physician Ashwini Kumars, probably without anesthesia, they were doing the surgery or in a hurry, you know, because time window was very short. They end up doing something unimaginable. They fix the head in a reverse way. So when Daksh moves one step forward, actually he moves backward. And when he seems to move backward, he is moving forward. What a paradox. So Sati, because you know, Sati has already, why that form is destroyed? Because the spirit had escaped. That is the inner sense of Sati's Atma That spirit which was still holding, see as long as Sati was there, Shiva did not do anything to Daksha. The moment the spirit escapes from a form or a body of institution, that has to be broken aside. So spirit has escaped. Now people go to temple for what? For a fashion parade. For matchmaking. For complaining against their Sasuma. For you know catharsis against their Bahu. For everything itself. Giving to God. Sometimes they also throw some money. That I will get back something. So God has also escaped from these places. And when God has escaped from these places. Surely the forms have to break. A nice little story about one man who was praying in a church, who had worked in a church for many years and then suddenly they said, no, now your church is changed. You can't come to this church. You have to go to another church which is specifically for people of your denomination. So he is very he is depressed. So he is sad. I have to do this and Christ appears before him. So Christ says, why you are so depressed, my son? Oh Lord, you don't know. They have thrown me as outside of this church. From tomorrow. he said, oh that's all. They threw me out five years ago. <laughs> Come let's join hands. So when the spirit escapes. Sati's Atma is that. The form will be destroyed. And to revive that old form. Is to do more injustice. So what we have to do. Wait for Sati to be reborn. And do the Tapasya of Parvati so for every age there is a new yug dharma and the old has to go away so shirabindos when we read we discover the yug dharma of this age both mother and shirabindos and so the collective life of communities, of religions they have to undergo this change I mean mother said the age of religions is over stick on if you want but it won't how long? it will destroy itself because its form had become hollow Empty of the spirit. All religions. So, what will come in its place? My God, religion is gone. People will be atheists. No. People will become spiritual, which is so beautiful. And whoever can still use the broken fragments of religion for a spiritual upliftment is fine. But nothing more than that. Anything else? We still have 10 minutes see how beautifully we started from pain and gone towards delight and so beautifully thanks to this question actually that we talked about pain at an individual level but when collectively things crash people experience pain another kind of pain oh what's happening everywhere there is degeneration degradation What we forget is Krishna at work. In the heart of Kurukshetra there is the song celestial echoing in the hearts of mankind uplifting him to a new age. And after all the dust and debris have passed away from the nations. This light will be reborn, taking new forms.